Welcome, Wildcats, to the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show, the first of the season. I want to remind everybody that we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have uh, Felipe. I think this is your first time, second time on Weber State Weekly? Second time, I believe. Time. Yeah, I was not on that that your initial, but we're glad to have you back, man. We have Felipe Sitaki on to talk with us a little bit about the matchup today. So welcome back, man. Appreciate you for taking the time. Excited to be a part of it. Yeah. And then, of course, we have a returning champion, Dustin Chappie Chapman, fresh <laughs> off of a uh, uh, Killers concert last night, I hear, in Salt Lake. That was, uh, that was an epic show. Apparently the longest show they've ever done. 26 songs. I'm, uh, I'm feeling it, but got through, got through the day. <laughs> yeah, <a lot> <laughs> Glad to have some day. football back. Yeah, really excited to talk football. I think everybody's excited. Um, Brett High noticed that, noted this in an article that he had done earlier, but um, Jay Hill's daughter Ashton, had, she had shared a tweet about something that her, her dad Jay had, had sent her maybe a couple weeks ago about being excited for football. She tagged us, you know, and so we're, we're feeling just like Coach Hill right now. Super excited to have football back. Have, get everything back in the normal cycle, right? Like, okay, things are weird. Now we're back on the normal schedule and this is good. So a little bit about what's going to happen on today's show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, give our panelists a little bit of opportunity to talk a little bit about, uh, give their takes on the squad and kind of what they're thinking going into today's game. Uh, then we'll preview the opponent, Western Oregon Wolves, a D2 school out of Monmouth, Oregon. So we'll talk a little bit about them and what maybe you can expect today for the game. And then we'll take a quick fly around the sky. We'll talk about some of the other matchups that are happening tonight as well as on Saturday because, you know, things are kind of split in the big sky between Thursday's games today and then Saturday's games. But before we get into that, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to find Weber State Weekly. Uh, And please tell your friends. uh, We will hope to grow the show this season and find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans. And the best way to do that is word of mouth. So tell your friends. Uh, about Weber State Weekly. And then you can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. And then we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and support us. I want to thank all of our loyal patrons who have done so thus far. Appreciate you all. Uh, if you become a patron, you find your way into a, uh, I don't know, chat. Could we call it a secret or a, a, a special Slack chat where we get to talk about the game? We give our takes that don't find their way onto Twitter. They're uh, they're there in the Slack channel. So you become a patron and get in there too. The super secret special club. I'm down with that. Yeah. So, all right, fellas. All that stuff is maintained. Did the thing. Got through the intro. Let's talk a little bit about the squad. Um, Felipe, this is you know your first time returning to Weaver State Weekly. A lot of things have changed. Last season obviously didn't go the way the Wildcats want. Still a winning season, six and five, but some losses there that were just really painful to watch. And um, I think that Coach Hill and the coaches thus far in the media that they've talked to, they're, they're looking for uh, to right the ship this year, turn Stewart Stadium back into the fortress that had been uh, in previous years. Talk to us about kind of how you're feeling going into the season with the squad as it's put together. 100%. I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, following last season, um, of course, they've put that behind them, but definitely want to prove a point going into this game. Um, One of the biggest things that I I know Coach Hill harps on is, you know, not overlooking any opponent. So going into this game, I know they're going to look to hit each and every one of their goals, whether it be their offensive goals, their defensive goals, or their special team goals. And if they do that, I project them being this team by 40 points or more. It's just like my senior year. Um, 
when we played, uh, who was it? Eastern, Eastern Montana or something. I don't know. Montana some small Western. team. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, uh, unfortunately I didn't get to play that game, but these types of games are stat games for boys. So they're ready to go let loose mm. and go rack up a bunch of stats, you know, right off the get go at the beginning of the season. So excited to see how they perform. Yeah. Same. Jeppe, what about you? I mean, you, you were on the, on the show on Monday night talking a little bit about, you know, what to expect from the squad with coach mental and T-Mac, but, um, you know, thoughts, um, before we get into previewing the opponent. Yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity to shake the rest off. Um, I, you'd rather have JMU. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. You'd probably, you'd rather be playing JMU tonight, but we're not, and that's okay. And this, to me, especially with the situation Weber State is coming into where you're breaking in a new offensive co- coordinator and a new offense, couldn't, couldn't be better for that. You know, if, if, if you can't play a, a game where guys are going to get way up for it, play one where they're going to get some reps, where they're going to be able to work out some kinks, see some things on film that are going to, that they're going to be able to improve on. So I, you know, as much as it's kind of a foregone conclusion, most likely of what the, what the game's going to be, it's a good opportunity with the way it's stacked up and set up here. Yeah, I think we've talked a little bit about this in the couple of episodes we've done thus far in season three now, but kind of like the way that the schedule is set up. I agree with you guys. Much rather would have played JMU and Harrisonburg, at least got one more shot at those guys. Obviously, it hasn't gone our way. Um, 2017, the closest we came. We were getting trolled a little bit by Jamie Williams a couple weeks ago, or it was like, what's, what's the play that had you going, wow, you know? And he posted the, the game-winning field goal. I was like, come on, man. That's, that's what I got to get. <laughs> so I was like, don't troll, man. But it would have been nice to get one more shot at the Dukes uh, in Harrisonburg. In fact, I probably, if we had played that game, I probably would have drove to it. It's not, not that far from Nashville. So, but not to be. Wildcats, you know, had to scramble because JMU canceled that game. Well, I guess they mutually agreed to forego that game because it was the second part of a home and home. So had to find another game. D2 team in Western Oregon was willing to play. So here we are. Starting the season at home, um, which is, I guess, only the third time in the last 15 seasons that that's happened. So, I don't know. How are you guys feeling about that? Starting, at, starting in Ogden. That doesn't happen too much. Um, I love it, man. I, yeah, for me, I, I'm the type of guy that likes road games. Um, but tonight, super excited to see the boys perform at home. I think it's going to bring a lot of people to the stadium um, and just get you know Weber football started off right. Yeah, I think I think a game like this would be good to kind of set the tone because I think the JMU game last year because it was the home opener and it was a huge game. You know, a lot of people were there. A lot of people across the country were watching that game and game obviously didn't go the Wildcats way. Things just kind of, I don't know, there were lots of like really weird mistakes. But like it just had this, it set this bad tone and had this weird mojo in Stewart Stadium ever since that. And so I like this opportunity to say like, okay, we're going to start the year off. We're going to take care of business. We're going to get the dub and, you know, we're going to build that momentum. It's one of the things I love that Coach Hill says. Sometimes you'll see this in, in some of the hype videos. You know, when he's talking to the team before the game, he will say, nobody comes in here and takes what's ours, right? Like, this is our house. And I think Coach Hill takes that really seriously. So I think starting off on a good, a good note, hopefully. It, it's a good opportunity. It, it, it's, it's a good opportunity to set the tone, get guys in the right places get the season off on the right foot. So let's, um, if you guys don't mind now, let's talk a little bit about the opponent. Let's talk about uh, D2 Western Oregon. Um, 
I wanted to ask you guys, um, because before we get too deep into this, sometimes there's been this debate online about, well, is it better to play JMU, who is a, a tough team that maybe you can pull something off against or you can have a good showing against, which will impress you know, the committee when it comes playoff decision time? Or is it better to play a team like Western Oregon, a D2 team, who is coming to Ogden and probably going to lose? Does it help or hurt you? I want to get your guys' opinion. What do you think? Do you think it helps or hurts to play a Western Oregon when the committee is making decisions come playoff time, especially if you're kind of on the bubble and you're hoping to get in? Yeah, I would <clears throat> chime in and say, you know, it's you got one or the other, and there's pros and cons to either or. I think the biggest thing for tonight is we just we got we got the wolves, you know what I mean? We got we we you know JMU's not there and I think the focus definitely of the guys is, you know, hey, let's go out and and show these guys what we got and play the same way we would have played if we would have played JMU. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that they're going out there thinking is hey, you know, schedule got changed, we don't have JMU whatever it is. But our focus is tonight are the Wolves, and we're going to go out there and play them the same way we would have played JMU. So for the outside, um, you know, fans looking in, spectators, it probably would look a lot cooler if we, you know, beat JMU. But the, for the boys inside, and I know the way Coach Hill is, no matter we're, if we're playing JMU or someone else, he's definitely prepping them the same way and wanting them to play the same way. So I think that's the biggest focus tonight is hey let's go out and play our game and play the same way we would if we played you know any other school it's one of the things i love about jay hill is consistency right i, I don't know if they call it the is it the game plan the the you know where there's there's goals for for anybody i mean the the goals for each unit their offense defense special teams they're they're the same right and they're they're beyond the score of the game you know and so so the point is is the numbers are numbers and goals are goals and you hit those regardless of what's going on elsewhere. So I love that. I know, I do know that, you know, people do like to rail on playing non D one games at the FCS level. Um, if you're a bubble team, I think it can make a difference. The hope I guess is that Weaver's not a bubble team this year. Hopefully they're, they're in a spot where they're not having to do that at all. And so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, hopefully we've talked a lot about it. There are going to be three critical weeks in October that we'll be watching, and I think that, that will make the season, but uh, you got to put yourself in a position in the first place. So we'll see how it goes. So let's talk a little bit about the Wolves. I mean, the Wolves are coming off a four and six season last year, and um, it's kind of interesting because they, they just switched conferences. And so, but if you look at their season last year, they have this thing where they, they played a couple of schools twice. It was almost like they do the spring season thing where we saw Idaho State two times. Uh, they do as they did a similar thing with Simon Fraser. They did it with Central Washington because their options are kind of you know limited in the geography that they're in. And so they also had a really young team last year. Like I was going through the 2021 roster and like tons of freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Um, when it came to seniors, uh, they lost three offensive linemen, two DBs, two defensive linemen, and two running backs. And so now a lot of those freshmen will be sophomores this year but it still feels like a pretty young team and so how much do you guys think experience plays a factor in this game i think that 
the experience for our opponents um, plays a big factor because they're not, you know, it, it's just like us going, if we were to go play, you know, uh, a, a big D1, you know, single A team, FBS team, experience definitely plays a role, um, <clears throat> especially with them losing a lot of guys from last year. So for us, it's going to be huge getting out there um, and having a lot of young guys that we're playing against. And I think we take advantage of that tonight. I see, I th- I see a, a lot of playmaking happen tonight, especially on the D-line. I think that's where we're going to see the most. Yeah, I agree because I felt like this is a good opportunity for the D-line. We've had a lot of questions about that, right? There was some, we weren't sure how things were going to shake out. On Monday night, we talked about how things looked on the, uh, on the depth chart. And so it's like, this is a good opportunity for some guys to get some reps on the D-line and some active um, live game situations and see what they can do and maybe build some confidence because it feels like that's a position where the Wolves are going to maybe struggle because they've lost so many senior dudes. Yeah, it, it, it does matter. And you heard T-Mac say it on a show on Monday. You know, he said, he talked about how much he was looking forward to playing Utah State, you know, as a game this season. And, and to me, the same way that, 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 that our guys, we were state guys, are going to look forward to playing. You know, the the FBS guys, these guys are going to look look at it the same way. They're they're going to want to win. They're going to want to prove that you know they should be there. And and that's that's what it's all about. It's all about pride in these situations. And uh, yeah, I mean, experience is certainly going to matter. These guys have, have, will have done it before. Will have played FCS teams before. It matters. But but at the end of the day, it's yeah, the experience does help. So kind of keeping it in that vein. Um, Going through the roster and looking at Western Oregon's depth chart, they are starting a sophomore quarterback who played, had 33 attempts last season and completed 19 of those, but not a lot of attempts, right? Like this kid is pretty young. And the thing is, like, you look at the the depth behind him, all freshmen. So, like, this is what they got. They got this kid who's going to be one uh, in Gannon Winker. And so, I, I wondered, like, do they, they have some, some more senior running backs? Do you think that they try to have the run game carry the load a little bit more as opposed to, like, let's just put the ball in this kid's hands and let it fly because they know the secondary that's out there, and it's a very experienced secondary, right? So it's dangerous. So how do you see them dealing with the inexperience of that quarterback? Do the, do the running backs take more of that load? I would I would say at the beginning, yeah, they're going to try to do that. But once they go down 40 points, they're going to have to throw the ball. And it, it's going to be tough for a young quarterback like they do have to go into a game like this and try to, you know, perform at a high level against, you know, our, our secondary, our line, our whole defense. You know, it's always been the, the highlight of the team. And so I think... Um, you know, that them going in tonight with the young quarterback, it's going to be, you know, run, try to get that run game going so that we can open the pass a little bit and make it a little bit easier. But I'm telling you, once they go down 40 points and start throwing it, it's, I think tonight's a highlight game for our boys. Yeah. It's going to be fun, right? Because guys like Eddie Heckard and Desmond Williams and, and others, like they're going to get their, they're going to get their shots and like ball's going to be flying. And it's like, go get it boys. Cause I, I don't think that this kid is going to be able to thread the needle. Maybe I'm wrong, and it's like, well, this kid only had 33 attempts because 
there's somebody ahead of him and I don't know, maybe he's whiz bang. We'll see. Maybe he's Davis Alexander. I hope that's not the case because that really pissed me Say off. Say that last name. <laughs> Say that name. <laughs> but like, I guess we'll see, but I have more trust in the Weber States than a sophomore quarterback at a D2 school. Yeah. The, to me, there's always two ways I've seen this game coach. I'm sure there's many more ways than that, but either, either coach goes into this and just, from moment one is airing it out and trying to take as many chances as they can because if you throw haymakers and land a couple, maybe you stay in the game, right? The other way it seems like these games are coached a lot of the time is uh, try to shorten up the possessions, try to run possession ball, keep the, keep the ball in your hands, run as many plays as you can, milk the clock, and try to try to minimize the score by keeping the ball out of the other team's hands, right? So probably going to see one of those two. I would suspect it's going to be the latter until like Felipe says they're forced into having to throw, but we shall find out. Get to watch some football. That's the good part. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Um, another area that I wanted to talk about with you guys was the linebacking core, because, you know, it's sort of, this, this seemed like this was the strongest unit that they had based on the guys that were coming back. A lot of their playmakers are there. Um, although they are going to be missing Jalen Parnell, who was their one of their top playmakers last season. Looks like he might be injured or something. He's not on the depth chart this week. And so feels like if there's going to be an impact in this game, it's going to come from their linebacking core. But at the same time, it's like how much impact, how much can the backers impact the game when, like Coach Mental said on Monday, we're going to see some interesting tight end play, right? We're going to see some, some balanced offense, but some quick release, get the ball out quickly. How much can well, the backers do against that? And the other, the other thing Coach Mental told us was, quote, we, oh, we're going to run the ball. We're so going to run the ball. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to run the ball, and tight ends are going to get the ball, is what I, is what I heard. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be, a, be, a, be an interesting night for a linebacking core there whether it's the you know strongest group of the team or not um but you know they do have experience i, I know i uh, read brett hines article there was one kid that had, had was it you know played three years at utah state and right. um so you know it's it, this is close to his hometown of salem and so yeah i mean that, that it's not like these are you know it's, not, it, it's to me the levels of football are are, are kind of like that i mean they're there are some some kids that could absolutely play on FCS rosters playing and playing this game tonight. You know, just the way that um, kids that, that are on FCS rosters could, could the top kids could also play on FBS rosters. You know, they're it, it, I know although these are non scholarship kids and uh, things like that, it's there's still there's still a lot of talent here. Yeah, I definitely want to <clears throat> piggyback off of that. I, I believe that you know as we go in and pound it, run the ball, um, there are going to be those star players that do shine, but they're going to shine for a little bit because this O-line that we have is bad. They're almost an all-poly starting O-line, and they are mean. Like, since I've played, um, you know, through my career and watching, you know, the few years after, this might be one of the meanest O-lines I've seen Weber State have ever. And so I'm super excited to see them get out there and, and put work on this linebacking core. I, I don't... I don't see them being able to do much for a long period of time against this, this line when they're, you know, giving those body blows and, and pounding it down their throat. Yeah. And, and that was an area that we were sort of nervous about because, you know, like Connor Boyack goes down in camp out for the season, you know, the transfer from snow college and the former Roy Royal Royals. 
but so we were we we talked a lot in the last couple of episodes about there were question marks around the old line, but I mean, Felipe, hearing you talk about them, it's like, hey, listen, like these guys, they're going to be ready. Um, I think that Jay Hill has talked a lot about the fact that the O line is maybe a little bit thin, but in this case, in this scenario, I think you're right. Like these guys are going to be tough. They're going to be mean. And as they kind of take those lumps and as the game wears on, like the body gets tired, um, it's tough to sustain that level of punishment for too long. And I think that maybe, maybe what we see is a, a similar thing to what we saw against Eastern Washington and Cheney last year, where just like the Cheney defensive line or the Eastern defensive line just couldn't deal with the running game. And it, at certain points, Chris Jackson, because the Chris Jackson game, right? He just, he just blows through him and he, he just runs all over him because they just cannot stop him because he's getting downhill each and every time. And it just wears them out. So, fellas, there's a there's a side story to all of this, and I sort of saved it for last. Um, so, Chappie, you mentioned earlier that Brett Hine had written a good piece about sort of previewing Western Oregon. Encourage everybody to go read that on Standard Examiner's website. Brett did a great job just kind of digging in some of the stats and who will probably be the players that make a big impact for the Wolves, if there's going to be one. But he also noted that um, Darren Hickok. So if you listen to our women's basketball show, you know about Monka. She's a great player. It'll be her senior season at Weber State this year. Um, her brother, Damon, uh, I didn't read the uh, pronunciation guide, so hopefully it's Damon, uh, will take the field at Stewart Stadium. Um, he was their third leading receiver um, in, in the core last season. A couple of guys have gone out, and so an opportunity for him to step up. I mean, do you think that it's, it's obviously, it's not like a home game because he's from Portland, uh, but his sister does play here. Uh, she's probably going to be at the game. I mean, like, does that matter to him? Does that help motivate him? I mean, Felipe, as a as a player, if you knew that you had family in the stands, even if it was on the road, did that help motivate you as a player? Um, <clears throat> family, family is always a big motivating factor. But yeah. every every time going in a game, it's always the same mentality. No matter who's there to support you or not. Um, it always feels good, especially after, you know, when you see them there or when you're able to spend time with them or celebrate with them. Um, but I don't, I don't know that that plays too much of a factor into his performance. Chappie, how do you, how do you feel? You feel like it's like, well, he still has to play against, you know, the secondary. So it is what it is. It doesn't matter if his sister's in the stands or not. It's a great added bonus. Your sister gets to watch you play. Probably hasn't, hasn't had that opportunity for a while. So, fellas, I mean, predictions here. We'll kind of wrap up this segment. Uh, what are you thinking? Um, final scores, and um, who do you think is going to be the standout player, the man of the match? Um, <clears throat> on my end, I'm, I'm I'm predicting. So, I think we go up by forty. You know, pretty quickly. Um, you know, definitely before the fourth quarter, maybe even before before the end of the first half. <laughs> I think we're going to crush these guys, um, but. End score, I'll say 50. What's, what's a good, what's a multiple of seven in there in the 50s? Was it 54? Yeah, 50, 56. 56? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quick math, huh? 56 to zero. We're skunking them. Defense is not going to let anything through. And we're going to have some defensive um, highlights from Eddie. I think he's going to be the player of the game. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, at some point they're probably going to have to be like, we got to, we got to do something. And so 
That will mean throw the ball. That will mean you're going to have to throw somewhere in Eddie Heckard's vicinity. And if you do that, he's going to be ready because he's one of the most dangerous men in the, com- in the country. So probably going to be some highlights. Chappie, what about you? Yeah, I was actually thinking kind of close to that. I was thinking 59 to 6. They get a couple of field goals, but 59 to 6. Um, my man of the match, it feels weird to say that, but yeah. my, my man of the match Very is, soccer. is, is to me on the offensive side, you break, I mean, it's a new offense, new offensive coordinator. I, I, I would expect Bronson to Bronson Barron to have a good game, but usually your quarterbacks affected the most by that. Right. And the receivers, right. There's, there's missed routes. There's things like that, that are just that, that play into it. So I think he'll have a good game, but I, you know, there's going to be some miscommunications um, on the offensive side. When you go back to stuff like this, the, the easiest thing to know is that somebody can run the ball and we have a few guys that can run the ball. And one guy in particular is back healthy and he's, he's, he's going to be ready to punish some people. So Josh Davis will be uh, my mind. The, the, the man of the match tonight, he's, he, he's just going to want the ball in his hand and he's going to just have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm leaning the same way, Chappie. I think that based on what Coach Mental said on Monday night, that I think Josh Davis will probably be the standout um, in tonight's game. Because when we asked Coach Mental on Monday night, who, I think it was a similar question, like who who has impressed you the most in camp or something like that? And he said, man, it's JD. And it was like, okay, like he's, he's back. Hopefully he's looking like his, you know, freshman year self when he won the Jerry Rice Award you know, the freshman of, uh, of the year in the country. Um, if he's back to that, back feeling healthy, back making people miss, getting, you know, getting around the edge, if, if that's the case, uh, man, we're going to find out what that linebacking core is made of because he's going to be quick and they're going to need to be quick. And so I think that that's probably the case. And it's easy, if, especially if there's early success, to just hand the ball off to a guy like Josh Davis and say, go get it because he can, right? Um, when it comes to a final score, I'm thinking more in like in Felipe's line of 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 thinking where it's like, I think we're going to skunk them because I think it's going to be a point of pride for the defense to not give up points. I think it's going to be like the Western Montana game a few years ago where they didn't give up any points. I think that this team is hungry and ready to prove itself. Last season left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. They want to get back to Wildcat football and the calling card of Wildcat football is good defense. And so I think that we're back to that. I think they skunk them. And I also think that maybe they put up a few more points than that. Um, we'll see if, you know, Coach Mental maybe lets off the gas a little bit in the second half. Uh, maybe some, you know, twos and threes get their opportunities to play. But I'm thinking more like 63 to nothing. You know what I mean, like that Western Montana game was what, Felipe? Like 70... <sighs> 76 or something like that. Yeah, it was it was like 76. No, the, the Brett had the scores of the last three games we played. It was like 76, 56, and like 52. Like there, it was all pretty bad. Yeah, and so based on what I've seen doing research for uh, Coach Mental's um, offense that he ran at Notre Dame College and outside of Cleveland, I think that, and the weapons that he has, yeah, I think he's going to be able to get some points up on the board. You know, at the D2 level, he was averaging 40. Now he's got D1 guys. I think he's going to exceed 40 by a lot. All right, guys. So uh, that's Western Oregon. Now let's take a quick look. Fly around the sky. Uh, A lot of games, like we said, uh, 
The Big Sky will mostly be split up between games tonight, Thursday night, and then games on Saturday. So the games that will be played on Thursday, of course, the Wildcats facing Western Oregon at Weber at uh, Stewart Stadium in Ogden. But uh, Northern Arizona taking the trip down to face Arizona State. I mean, NAU's been really weird uh, this, this past couple of seasons, I think. But I think that maybe they're starting to build something. Uh, the, their quarterback, they got rid of Keandre Woodsy last season. They brought in the new kid. I can't remember his name. Uh, he seemed to have some success. Wildcats did not get an opportunity to play NNU last season, but they will get a chance to renew the melee in the mountains down in Flagstaff. How do you see the NAU against Arizona State? I mean, NAU, NAU, NAU beat Arizona last year, didn't they? They did, but Arizona was really bad. Like, really, they really, really were. Bad. I yeah, mean, I, Arizona, Arizona State's, State's, yeah, Arizona State's better than Arizona, but props to NAU, man. They, they, sure. they beat Arizona last year. It gives them a fighting chance. I don't give them a chance against Arizona State, but I don't think, you know, anyone does. It's cool. It, it would be cool if they beat, you know, Arizona State and, and went back-to-back seasons of, of winning their opening games against FBS the, teams. But Be the, the rulers of the state of Arizona. Yeah. Exactly. It'd be, be amazing. not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think that ASU is a much better team. You know, ASU is a team that is probably in the upper echelon, you know, maybe the upper third to mid third, uh, mid half, upper half of yep. the Pac-12. So it's like, this is not a struggling Arizona team. I think that NAU will struggle, but I think that they'll probably have some good, a, a decent showing. They won't get, hopefully, the doors blown off. Maybe they will. I mean, I'm trying to build a rivalry over here with NAU, so maybe I should wish the worst on them. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, Portland State taking the trip down to the Bay. They're going to face San Jose State. Um, Davis Alexander is gone. I think this game is going to be a blowout. What do you guys think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Straight up. Week one does not have a lot of surprises, generally speaking. It's not supposed to have surprise, which makes the surprises that much more fun, right? Because they're they're, they're not Portland supposed State to be there. Did pick up. They did pick up a lot of FBS transfers, I'm pretty sure, which they do every year, but then turns out not being, you know, the best for them. So I, I still think that they're gonna it's it'll be a blowout. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing my best to try to understand sports betting odds here. I just clearly don't, but it looks to me like uh like San Jose State is favored by nineteen and a half. Okay. So that's a lot. Three. Got three. T- looks like uh, Arizona State is twenty five and a half over <laughs> over over Northern Arizona. By the case, um, yeah, because I'm with you, Felipe. Like the last couple of seasons, you know, we've seen a lot of FBS transfers, even some t- to Weber State. And I don't know, man. Like I've sort of soured on FBS transfers down because I feel like. A lot of who, times they, they just don't have the impact that we think they're going to have, you know? I was going to say, like, who, who was the last, Felipe, you tell, who's the last FBS transfer to have any impact on real impact at, at Weber State or by and large in general in, in Big Sky? It seems like they just don't, seems like they just don't pan out. Yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we've talked a lot about the fact that Montana has brought in a lot of FBS guys this season. That's kind of the way that they've reloaded. Uh, I was talking in the big sky podcast network chat on Twitter with some of the other guys. And you know, there's the San Diego state quarterback that got the, uh, the nod. We'll talk about that in just a second. But in terms of the FBS transfers in, 
I don't know, man. I'm just, I've just become more skeptical the past couple of years just because got really excited about some guys that came in and then, like Chappie said, they just don't seem to pan out. And I don't know, man. I, Barney runs a, he runs a good offense, but I just don't think the defense is going to be able to keep him down. And so I think San Jose State covers easily. Okay, final game. Cal Poly at Fresno State. Fresno State has been a good team. Um, they played San Diego State and ended up losing, so they didn't get to go to the Mountain West Championship last season. Um, Cal Poly still working out the Bull Baldwin stuff. Another blowout, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> the line on this one is 39 and a half. So yeah. Yeah, this one's going to be bad. The, the Fresno still has Jay Kaner, don't they? Is that, uh, a kid, that kid can throw. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. This will be a blowout. Yeah, they're a good team. <laughs> Cal Poly is still finding their way through the wilderness. Bo Baldwin is still working on implementing his system down there, moving away from the triple option. So I just think that, you know, when we did preseason rankings, I think we had Cal Poly above teams like maybe Idaho and Idaho State, although I think Idaho might surprise some folks. I have a little bit more faith in Jason Eck than others do. But yeah, Cal Poly is still a bottom third Big Sky team. They're still working on it. Um, and Fresno is a good team. They're a really good team. So wouldn't be surprised if the, if the spread on that was like 30. But if the spread on that's 30. It's, it's 40. It's 40. <laughs> 39 and a half. <laughs> I mean, I might bet because, yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the Austin P game last weekend. You know, sometimes stuff like that happens. If you want to waste your money, man, take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep the bet low. Um, all right, then we're going to move on to Saturday, September 3rd. Uh, this is where the majority of Big Sky games are going to happen. Um, you know, we talked about the three games that will be happening tonight. Uh, first up, Northwestern State coming to Washburn Stadium to take on Montana. Northwestern State, not a great team. Montana, though, I think this will be interesting because we get to kind of see how things look. We've talked, I think, the first episode of this season, we talked about how I was like, ah, I may be a little bit skeptical. I think that the Montana offense is not going to be awesome. The defense is going to be good, but I'm still skeptical about that offense. And so they're going to win, but I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how many points they can score. I'd put it in a very similar situation to what Weber is in a way, meaning new quarterback. They're, they're going to be breaking in some guys. It's, it's the home game. It's a good opportunity for them to, to get some reps, basically. Yeah. Washburn is a tough place to play. We all know that, right? So that might rattle Northwestern State a little bit, but I'm really watching that Grizz offense. Felipe, what about you? It's that is a tough place to play. I will tell you that. But um, I definitely, yeah, I, I think Montana. They they let loose. They let their guys go out there and get some experience, especially the new, the younger cats. Um, but Montana, I, Montana takes it with ease. Yeah, Montana takes it with ease. Um, but it will be interesting to see how things shake out because. Like we said, a lot of transfers in. How do they put the pieces together? Next game, uh, I was confused. I thought that Eastern was coming to Nashville to take on Tennessee State, and I had fully planned to go to that game. It is, in fact, the reverse, <laughs> which really bummed me out. So Tennessee will not State, be going. <laughs> yeah, I will not be going to the Tennessee State game this weekend uh, because it's in Cheney. <laughs> so Tennessee State taking on Eastern. Um, Eastern, it, it, this is really interesting season, guys, because a lot of quarterbacks have turned over in the Big Sky Conference. So, but we know about 
Eastern being a prolific scoring team. Um, obviously, their incoming quarterback is not Eric Berrier, but they always seem to do a good job of coaching guys up. But Eddie George is really doing some stuff at Tennessee State, guys. I'll tell you that. Like he's he's bringing his guys up, and so some people have Eastern as maybe being a little bit down this season. How do you guys see this one? Because I think maybe this is the closest game that we've talked about thus far. And Eastern opted to start the senior, I believe, right? They've, they've got uh, kind of the, I don't know, I call it like the Zeb Nolan at North Dakota State thing where it's, they, lo- they lost the guy that had all the experience and they're kind of bringing the senior guy that's been backing them up for years in. Um, yeah, I, I would suspect Eastern's going to win. They are well coached. Uh, well, I guess I'd say they let their players be undisciplined, in my opinion, but they're, they, they always seem to get to score points. So yeah, they're going to score points. Score a lot of points. I agree. They're, they're an offensive team. Their offensive <clears throat> game plan is always, you know, go out there and we're going to throw this and that and we're going to score a lot of points. Their defense has always been, you know, kind of like the struggle bus. Um, this year, I think they have they have a pretty – I think they have a well-rounded team. Senior stepping up. He's been backing up. He has the experience. I don't see him, you know, skipping a beat. I see him going in there and, and performing just the, just the way he – you know, he did as he was a backup. Yeah, I will say that Eastern's, Eastern's defense was, uh, was better than average last season. I think that was a better Eastern Washington defense than we've seen in the past few years. And then, of course, it helps to have a Walter Payton Award winner throwing the ball for you. It just so happens that, you know, the losses that they did have were, you know, Jay Hill beat them in Cheney because Jay Hill seems to have Aaron Best's number. He, he knows just how to coach the defense to deal with whatever Aaron Best wants to throw at him. Um, so, like, I think that that's just a, a, a matchup problem. But overall, that, that Eastern defense last season was, was pretty good, right? Like, that was above average. So, I think Eastern probably wins, but I think this is probably the closest game that we're going to see in the conference this weekend. The, the, the next one we have could be the closest one, but it, for, it'll be the closest because neither will be able to score. Oh, you talk about Houston Baptist at Northern Colorado? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought, I was like, are you, are you, mess- are you being serious? I was like, man, yeah, that, that, that's going to, that's, that's a, a battle of not good. <laughs> man, I don't know what to expect with Northern Colorado. Cause like last year it was all hype, right? Like, oh man, this team, you know, we got Ed McCaffrey now. We're coming back. This is going to be great. And then just like disaster after disaster. And then, well, like, and it's continued. Yeah, it's continued into the off season, right? Like they, they, they don't. Uh, did they lose like how many? Did, I, I swear, it wasn't the number like fifty guys that turned over? It's a lot of guys, right? And part of me says, okay, maybe those weren't D one guys. Maybe, they, maybe it's bad fit for the program. But like, I gotta, I gotta say though, like at that volume, it's it's more than forty guys, Chappie. I think it was, and so it's like that many guys transferring out of a program. And that says something. And I know that they've got a lot of guys coming in, but I just don't think that I see this as like, I know it's year two for Ed McCaffrey, but I see it as year one, man. Cause it's like eh, so many guys left that like, it's still square one. Felipe, what do you think? I agree. You lose that many guys. Like there's, there's something going on and it's, it's just like Chappie said, it's it's bad. It's a battle of two bus, honestly. Well, and and and, and Houston Baptist was so was zero eleven last year, so they're bad, bad. That's that's like I said. I, 
take the under on whatever that <laughs> whatever that line is. <laughs> might have to do that. Take the under. A uh, couple more here, fellas. Um, McNeese State coming to Bozeman to take on Montana State. McNeese State, not, I don't think they're going to be very good this year. I think Montana State wins this one. However, as I've kind of like dug into their roster and seen kind of the pieces that they lost, I mean, they've put some guys in the NFL, right? Like we talked about the fact that Daniel Hardy and, you know, Lance McCutcheon both made the Rams, you know, 53 man, along with Jonah Williams, by the way. Uh, it's, I, I don't know where I'm at on Montana State anymore now, having like dug into their roster and seeing all the pieces that they lost. But I do think that they beat McNeese State at home. I 100% yeah. agree. I, I, don't, I don't think Montana State really, they did lose some key players, but that's a well-coached team. I think they definitely take the dub at home. I think the interesting thing this year is, um, obviously, you know, the, last, this, the Montana State was, was the last game that I went to before moving to Nashville. Like, I went to that game that night. We lost. It sucked. I had to wake up early in the morning and then get in a car and drive for three days to Tennessee. And I worry that I hope that, that like it doesn't set a precedent that Vegan has Jay Hill's number the way that Northern Arizona has. No, no, I don't want that. So I'm I'm more interested. The, to me, the Montana State storyline of the year is is do they continue? I you see a lot to me. You see a lot of situations where coach leaves, good coach leaves. Jeff Choate left. Vegan comes in and and. You know, whether it's a change, whether he, you know, the roster's not his and they play really well. Like we, you know, famous example around here is Urban Meyer doing that, right? Yeah. Um, with, with, with McBride's guys. So it, to me, the, the, we're going to find out this season and in the next whether Brett Vegan's a good coach, or whether he really is a good coach with his guys. So yeah, Montana State's going to win this game. They lost a lot of guys. Let's see, let's see how, how they replace them. Yeah, I think so. A couple more here, guys. Um, Utah Tech going to Sac State. Um, Sac State is <laughs> less good at home. They're good on the road. They're less good at home. Um, but Utah Tech is still... Kudos to those guys because they are playing tough schedules, man. Like they, They've been going for it. They'll play anybody. And they've, they've been taking a lot of tough games. I think this is another tough game for them. I think Sac State probably wins. People have them as you know, possibly winning the Big Sky Conference again or a share of the conference title again. Uh, which, by the way, guys, if you do that, that's a real back-to-back. That's how that works. Yeah, it's with Sac. They don't, they don't, numbers aren't real big in Sacramento. So I think Sac State wins, but kudos to Utah Tech for continuing to schedule, schedule tough teams. I will say, looking at Utah Tech's schedule, it, it is better than last year. Like the, last year was like a, that was a, that was a, that was a death march. Like that was a death march from a bunch of kids that were not D1 FCS kids. <laughs> That's not what they signed up for. Yeah, Felipe, how, how are you feeling about the Sac State team? I mean, you know, I it's funny you bring up how bad they play at home, and I think it's because how mad every team is that has to go play there. It is the worst away game to play. <laughs> Their locker room is the worst locker room. Really? The smallest locker room, the hottest locker room. It is the worst away team locker room to play in period and everyone hated having to go play Sac State like when the when the schedule would come out everyone's like is Sac State home and away that's the first thing we would look for because <laughs> no one wanted to go play there and so I would say that's probably why 
people go out and whoop them at home is because they're so mad that they have to be in that locker room. But um, and keep in I'm mind, the whole Holt Holt Arena exists, right? So, uh, if, if it's worse than Holt Arena, that's that's pretty good in yeah. a bad way. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still giving it to Sac State, even though they do have the horrible away locker room. Yeah, I mean Utah Tech's just not there. This will be their second D1 year. Um, they're still working on it. I think that eventually that's a program that will be something. I agree with you, Chappie, that they're they're building something in St. George, but right now, <sighs> I, my whole we get on a soapbox here. We got this for another day, but St. George is an ambitious city. A lot of young, ambitious people down there. It's it's going to be better than SUU like next year. <laughs> it's a program, it's hard. It's and, and, hard. and then yeah, and then at that point, it's it, it'll be as good as their financial commitment to it. it'll be end of the city's commitment but st george likes big things right now man yeah uh last last two really quickly guys idaho state um taking on wazoo battle of the palouse idaho state still down or i mean sorry idaho idaho, idaho sorry oh man sorry chris hammond and the tubs guys i did that to you it's idaho versus washington state um idaho's not there jason x doing stuff wazoo's gonna win you guys all agree yes Greece. And then the final game, this one's interesting. Davis is going to go and play Cal in Berkeley. Uh, I, ooh, see that, to me, that's, that's the game of the week. I mean, yeah, I, if, if, there's one, if there's one that can happen, it's, you know, being an FCS over an FBS, it's, it's that one. Cal's not good, and Dan Hawkins is a good coach. <laughs> but I will say that Davis lost some key guys. Uh, Hunter Rodriguez is not there anymore. So it'll be a new quarterback for them. Once again, like another new quarterback in the big sky. They do have Alonzo Gilliam, but I, I feel like when Alonzo Gilliam FCS, was good. That kid was is good. good, right? And he's the preseason MVP, um, offensive MVP. Like that's what people felt about him. Fine. That's great. But I just think that guys like him can only do so much when, like Felipe has said earlier, you're going up against P5 guys. The game wears on. Your position is very physical. When you get knocked back enough times, I think it's just tough. And so I, I, I don't think that I think it, his impact wanes as the game wears on. And I just Davis maybe surprises and wins. I expect Cal to win, but maybe it's close. Let's go with that. I, I, expect, I think that sounds I about right. Win, but it'll be close. It'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah, it'll be fun. The only thing I think it's on Pac-12 Network, or it'll be it, it'll. So that means we won't watch. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you don't get to watch it on ESPN Plus, which is a bummer because it's not at Davis. Obviously, like Cal's not going to Davis, even though they got they have a facility that could hold it. So, um, upcoming schedule, guys. Obviously, tonight's game against Western Oregon, 6 p.m. Stewart Stadium or ESPN Plus. Tailgate starts at, at least four o'clock. Get up there and tailgate, guys. Football's back. Go hang with the boys. Um, Saturday, September 10th, Wildcats taking the trip up to Logan to face the Aggies. Uh, that game will be at 5 p.m. Um, take the trip. Logan's not that far. Uh, would love to see a good contingent of Wildcat fans uh, up there. What is their stadium called now? Uh, it's Maverick, Maverick Stadium. Yeah, it's Maverick Stadium now. Um, so show up. And I think the Alumni Association is doing uh, like a tailgate for that. So get on the Alumni Association's website, buy tickets through them, show up. Good contingent of Wildcat fans in Logan. Uh, let's see what the boys can do against the Aggies. Uh, then Saturday, September 17th, Utah Tech comes to Stewart Stadium. Uh, that game will be on ESPN Plus. And see what Utah Tech can do. I fully expect the Wildcats to have a good game against them. And then my birthday, September 24th, Wildcats taking the trip to Davis to avenge last year's last second loss because 
that pissed me off. So hopefully revenge in Davis this year. I think Wildcats have no sack comes to Ogden this year, but they do have to go to Davis. So it's like, yeah, man, that game sucked. So ram it down Dan Hawkins throat. Wrap it up. Email weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog, weberstateweekly.com. Thank you to Felipe Sataki and Chappie for doing the game day show. Guys, we appreciate you both. Uh, wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. Oh!